This podcast is presented to you by Pastors Tom and Bonnie DeShal from Celebration Church in Harare, Zimbabwe. For more information, please visit celebrationmen.org. So I'd like to reflect at what Jesus said. Jesus in, the Matthew, in Matthew chapter 24, and I'm going to read quite a large portion of scripture today. Just listen to what he said. If you want to follow me, open your Bibles to the 24th chapter of Matthew. And we're going to read 35 verses here. But here's what I want you to understand. Jesus is coming to the end of his ministry. He's with his disciples. And he's giving some instruction about what's going to happen at the end of the age. The times that I believe you and I are living in right now. It says, and Jesus went out and departed from the temple and his disciples came, came to him to show him the buildings of the temple. Now this always amazes me. They've been with him for three years and they're showing him the buildings of the temple. Now we're just about to go to Israel and I have to say it's very impressive when you stand on the Mount of Olives and you look at the old temple site. But what do the disciples have their eyes on? They have their eyes on a temporal building, on a temporal structure. And listen to what Jesus says. And Jesus said to them, see you not all these things? Verily I say unto you, there shall not be left here one stone upon another that shall not be thrown down. And as he sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, tell us, when shall these things be? And what shall be the sign of your coming and of the end of the world? Pretty nice question, pretty powerful question. What will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the world? It it doesn't say signs. What will be the sign? And Jesus answered and said unto them, take heed that no man deceive you. For many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. And you shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you be not troubled, for these these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation shall rise against nation, coups, Kingdom against kingdom, there'll be famines and pestilences and earthquakes in diverse places. All these are the beginning of sorrows. Then they shall deliver you up to be afflicted and shall kill you. And you shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. And then shall many be offended and shall betray each other and hate one another. And many false prophets shall arise and they shall deceive many. And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. But he that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations. And then shall the end come. When you therefore shall see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet stand in the holy place, 
Whoso readeth, let him understand. Then let them which be in Judea flee into the mountains, and let them, and let him which is on the housetop not come down to take anything out of his house. Neither, neither let him which is in the field return back to take his clothes. And woe to them that are with child, and to them that give suck in those days. But pray ye that your flight be not in the winter, neither on the Sabbath day, for then shall be great tribulation, such as was not since the beginning of the world, even unto this time. No, nor shall ever be. Except those days should be shortened, there would be no flesh saved. But for the elect's sake, those days shall be shortened. Then if any, then if any man shall say unto you, Lo, here is the Christ, or there is the Christ, don't believe it. For there shall arise false Christs and false prophets, and they shall show great signs and wonders insomuch that if it were possible, they shall deceive the very elect. Behold, I have told you before. Wherefore, if they shall say unto you, Behold, he's in the desert, don't go look for him there. Behold, he's in secret chambers, don't believe it. For as the lightning comes out of the east and shineth even unto the west, so shall the coming of the Son of Man be. For wherever the carcass is, there will the eagles be gathered together. Immediately after the tribulation of those days shall the sun be darkened and the moon shall not give her light and the stars shall fall from heaven and the powers of the heavens shall be shaken. And then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven and then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn, and they shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he shall send his angels with a great sound of a trumpet, and they shall gather together his elect from the four winds, from one end of heaven to the other. Now learn the parable of the fig tree. When his branch is yet tender and putteth forth leaves, you know that the summer is near. So likewise you, when you shall see all these things, know that it is near, even at the doors. Verily I say unto you, this generation shall not pass till all these things be fulfilled. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. Now, that's a lengthy passage of scripture, but I want you to see a few things. I want you to see, first of all, that Jesus goes right to the crux of the matter. They are looking at a building. He says this building will be torn down. You know, the things of this earth are all atrophying. How many of you know that this building is not getting better every year? It's getting worse. Now, we keep repairing it and maintaining it, and we put new carpets in. We'll, but eventually, this will fall into a heap. If it's left to itself, 25, 50, 100 years from now, it may not be here. Maybe 200 years. Do you understand what I'm saying? All these things that we work for and we think are so important, Jesus says, are coming down. He says, this earth is going to be watered up and done away with. 
The heavens are going to be removed. I'm coming back. Do you understand what he's saying? And he goes on, he says, so then they, they say, well, what will be the sign of your coming? What, will, what, will, what, what, what are we supposed to look for? He says, two things that you really need to look for. Number one, don't get deceived. Don't be deceived. You know, I, I'm watching the aftermath of our elections. And, uh, you know, two things that I've noticed is that there might be a little deception going on here. One of the signs of deception is that he says the love of most will grow cold, will betray one another. He said these are signs. You know, I've noticed that it's kind of peculiar to me that we can sit in church with each other, worshiping the same God, the same Father in heaven, the same Jesus, and hate each other because we're of a different political party. I, I believe it's the devil's plan to divide us. I think it's the enemy's plan to cause our hearts to grow cold so that we don't love each other and we don't love God. That makes us susceptible to false Christs. That makes us susceptible to false prophets. That makes us susceptible to falseness. I'm asking you to consider your own heart today. You know, I heard somebody say about the elections, they say, we prayed so hard and we didn't get the answer we wanted. Like God let us down or something. How, how many of you know that God sits in heaven and he's laughing at the kings of this earth? How many of you know that God, I think God moves on our behalf, but I, I don't think God got taken by surprise for those of you that feel like he did. See, uh, as a pastor, my focus is really not on the government. My focus is on the king of kings. The governor of governments. The Bible de declares that, he, that God holds the heart of the king in his hand. And he turns it where he wants. I see God doing a deep work in the hearts and lives of his people. Preparing us for something far beyond a temporal building, a temporal government, but an eternal one. Are you with me? The book of Revelation, chapter 22 and verse 12 says this. It says, behold, I'm coming soon, and I shall bring my wages and rewards with me to repay and render to each one just what his own actions and his own work merits. Or his own works merit. Man, I think about that. Jesus says, I am coming soon. And I'm bringing with me wages and rewards to repay and render to each and every one of you what your actions and your works merit. How many of you know we're going to get judged for what we do on earth? 
Every one of us. Here's a problem that we face in Zimbabwe and around the world that facts are debatable. How many of you know that if you listen to one person, they have all kinds of facts about the election? But if you listen to somebody else, they have a whole different set of facts. And the debate rages on both sides of the political divide. Kind of reminds me of the story about these two men that had an argument. They were fighting with each other. And in order to settle the matter, they went to a judge for arbitration. The plaintiff made his case. He was very eloquent, very persuasive in his reasoning. When he finished, the judge nodded with approval and he said, that's right. That's right. But on hearing this, the defendant jumped up and said, wait a minute. Judge, you haven't even heard my side of the case yet. So the judge told the defendant to state his case. He too was very eloquent and very persuasive. And when he finished, the judge said, that's right. That's right. When the clerk heard this, he jumped up and he said, Judge, they both can't be right. And the judge looked at the clerk of the court and said, that's right, that's right. <laughs> Can I tell you something? There's only one thing I know that's right and that's that Jesus is coming back. He is coming back. And you may want to debate that, and some people will debate it. And we don't need a judge to tell us that he's coming back, because the judge has already said so. And I know that some of you will even debate if he is coming back or not. But he is. The fact is that we need to hold on to the truth. So that we're not persuaded otherwise. Otherwise, you'll be tempted to believe things that are not true. But in order to keep ourselves encouraged in these days, we have to realize that we can't lose sight of the fact. The Bible says, he who endures to the end will be saved. We can't lose sight of the fact that Jesus is coming back. There is a cutoff point. He will return. And to stay encouraged, we first of all have to get encouraged. There are some people that have lost their courage. They're not encouraged. How many of you know it's okay to be discouraged? We all get discouraged. But the secret is don't stay discouraged. Don't stay discouraged. Discouragement can be the devil's playground. In times of discouragement, we have to draw near to Jesus. We have to draw near to God and let him draw near to us. You know, we have a tendency to get caught up in the affairs of this world. It's very easy to get discouraged. 
Sometimes I think about when I first got saved. How many of you can remember when you first got born again? The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, therefore if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Behold, old things are passed away. All things have become new. All things have become new. I, I remember those early days of being born again when I was so excited. My, my, my whole focus was on that experience of feeling new. All things had become new. Now, if we could only live in that encouragement, if we could only live in that joy until Christ returns. Oh, wait, we can. We can live in that. Oh, that's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to live in the encouragement that old things have passed away. All things are becoming new. All things are being changed and transformed. But the truth be told, we probably won't. We get discouraged. We begin to process things, the things around us, the uncertainties, the losses, the problems, the news, the politics, and all the everyday responsibilities. I was listening to someone yesterday and they were telling me that our former president was upset that they're not paying him his pension. I thought that was a little ironic, seeing as how under his regime, all the pensions were taken from everybody else. But see, even a former president's focus can be on the wrong thing, on the problems, and you can get discouraged. See, it seems to me that our earthly visions seem to take over. We see the temple, we see the storms, the famines, the earthquakes, the problems, and we become so focused on them that we can't see the big picture. We can't see eternity. We can't see Christ any longer. We begin to think that our problems are unique. You know, the disciples, they suffered with discouragement. The prophets of old, they faced discouragement. Even Jesus faced discouragement. That's right. Jesus faced discouragement. Look at the tone of Jesus when he's responding to his own disciples. When everybody's leaving him in John chapter 6. In John 6, 67, he says this. Looking right at his 12, he says, will you also go away? Jesus was discouraged. They say, oh, but he was God. He didn't really care. He cared. Will you also go away? That wasn't Jesus being encouraged, I can tell you that. He wasn't being courageous. He wasn't being sarcastic either. He was hurt. He was disappointed. And at the very least, he was discouraged. Jesus is telling his disciples some very discouraging information in this chapter of Matthew. But he's not just telling his disciples there. He's telling you and I. He says, guys, things aren't going to get better. 
things are going to get worse. We're coming to the end of the age. There'll be wars and rumors of wars, pestilences, earthquakes, famines. I don't know about you, but these aren't things I want to get excited about. But I thank God he didn't end there. In Matthew 24, 13, he said, but he that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. Amen. It's an endurance race, folks. It's not a sprint. It's a marathon. But notice there is an end. There is an end. And this relates to our text. There's a reward coming. Jesus says, I am coming back and I'm bringing your wages for what you've done, for the way you've lived. Now, for some, those may be wages you don't want to collect. But for others, those are wages we want to collect. Those are things that we've done in righteousness. Those are things we've done in goodness. That's what God wants us to focus on. And that's where our encouragement comes from, is that God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. God is going to reward us for our love of him, our service of him, and our love of one another. But let's take this scripture that I've been speaking about, and let me put it alongside another scripture. Turn with me to Romans, the eighth chapter. I told you earlier, I believe that the enemy is trying to separate us from each other and separate us from Christ. Apostle Paul says this, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death or life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. See, God doesn't leave us hopeless. God says, you can't overcome. You are more than conquerors. You are overcomers by the word of God. He says, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. God has a hope for you and I. He has a future for us. We need to grasp onto the future. We need to be courageous in times of crisis. The Apostle Paul doesn't give anyone any room for excuse to be out of victory. God is sufficient for us. In Christ Jesus, we are more than conquerors. More than conquerors. Overcomers. Wow. Let me just close this morning. The Bible gives us a picture of heaven. Sometimes we Forget that earth isn't our home. That there is a place called heaven and a place called hell. But in Revelations 21, verses 1 through 8, it says, 
and this is John speaking, he says, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth were passed away and there was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride ordained for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven say, behold, the tabernacle of God is with men. And he will dwell with them and they shall be his people. And God himself shall be with them and be their God. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. And there shall be no more death, neither sorrow or crying, neither shall there be any more pain. For the former things are passed away. And he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. And he said unto me, It is done. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give unto him that is a thirst of the fountains of water of life freely. He that overcometh shall inherit all things. And I will be his God and he shall be my son. But the fearful, the unbelieving, and the abominable, and the murderers, the whoremongers, the sorcerers, and idolaters, and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Folks, I've got news for you. No matter how discouraged you might get or how discouraged you might feel, no matter what turn life takes, what situation comes to you, our true goal is not what happens to us on this earth. Our true goal is heaven. In fact, the Apostle Paul said it this way in 1 Corinthians 15 verse 19. He said, if in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. What's he saying? He's saying if Jesus is only for this life, if it's what we can get, it's what we can obtain, if, if, it's, if Jesus is only to give us a better life on this earth, then we're most miserable. But see, Jesus doesn't promise us that everything will be perfect and everything will be great on earth. He says if you overcome on earth, he says you'll have a reward in heaven, an eternal reward. We're not living this life for temporal blessings. Our goal is heaven. God's goal for us is heaven. You know, it's always been God's plan. It says, he shall dwell with men. When God first created Adam and Eve, every evening he would go down in the cool of the evening to dwell with men. That's been God's desire for us in perpetuity. He wants to dwell with us. He wants to be with us. It's God's original intention for man to dwell with him. We must keep our hearts surrendered to him. Then we can be assured that we'll be with him for eternity. So today... 
my heart's message is, folks, let's set our heart and affection on Jesus. He's the author and the perfecter of our faith. Having begun a good work in you, he's able to bring it to completion. Let's not become discouraged at the temporal things around us. It's so easy sometimes. We get so caught up in this world that we forget there's another world. We get so caught up in Zimbabwe, we forget that there's eternity. Let's refocus our hearts today to follow Jesus. Will you do that? Let's bow our heads. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the word of God today. I thank you that I believe you're here to encourage us. Father, we know that we can survive anything in Zimbabwe. Father, we are survivors. Father, we thrive even in adversity. Father, we believe that it can't get worse. It can only get better in Zimbabwe. But we hope, Father, not in our nation, not in our government, but in you. We are looking to you. Having begun that work in us, Father, bring it to completion. You created us for good works. Let each of us find our place and do our good works. Because we know there's a reward if we're found doing what you called us to do. May we be cognizant of your kingdom. May we be cognizant of heaven and of hell. May our thoughts be on overcoming because we know that nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. Nothing can keep us from you, Lord. So we put our heart and affection towards you today. And with your heads bowed and your eyes shut, I believe that there's some people here today and maybe even you think that church is about getting ahead in life or about getting blessed. And yes, God does want to bless you and God does want you to get ahead in life. But it's more than that. Maybe you have never really put it in the context of eternity. There's a heaven to gain and a hell to lose, to shun. And the decision that you and I make on earth determines where we spend our eternity. If any man be in Christ, if any man be in Christ, he becomes a new creature. A new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. If you've never had that experience, if you've never come and allowed your life to be in Christ, if you've never given your life to Christ, I want to give you an opportunity today to say, Pastor, I don't want to go to hell. I do want to live in heaven. Well, all of us are destined for hell. All of us deserve hell. But God made a plan that through his son Jesus, the sacrifice that he made for you and I, for all mankind on the cross, 
if we'll accept him and his sacrifice and make him our Lord and make him our Savior, we can be saved from sin and the effect of sin and we can be made new, new creatures in Christ. If you've never made that decision and you say, Pastor, I want that today, raise your hand right now. Say, I want to repent and I want Christ in my life. Just raise it up and down so I can see. I've never made that decision, but today I want Jesus to be my Lord and Savior. Just raise your hand up and down so I can see. Is there anybody? I need Jesus in the balcony. I see your hand. God bless you. Who else? Is there anybody else? Another hand. I see it. God bless you. I need Jesus. I need to be born again. Put your hands down. Here's the second altar call today. By the way, those of you that raise your hand, in just a minute, I'm going to invite you to come and join one of our pastors here at the altar. If you raised your hand or should have raised your hand. But I, I believe that discouragement can sometimes separate us from God. We get discouraged and we begin to do the things that we know we shouldn't do. Our love grows cold. Our love towards God grows cold. Our love towards each other grows cold. And what we once had, that passion, that excitement, that hunger, that desire, has grown cold. If you find yourself in that position today, maybe you've been watching too much news. Maybe you've been reading too many election returns. Maybe the Constitutional Court discouraged you. I don't know what might have happened to you. But here's what I'm going to ask you. Whatever's turned your heart to be cold, would you take a minute and say, God, whatever it takes to get my focus right, I'm not going to focus on trials and tribulations and the things of this world, but I focus on Jesus. If you want that, I think it's a great time to reevaluate. I think it's a great time as we go into a new Zimbabwe, into a new situation to say, God, I'm not going to carry any of this baggage in with me. I'm going to be whatever you want me to be in this situation. I'm going to be the man, the woman that you want me to be. And let that wash over you. Let the love of the Spirit of God wash over you. Confess your sins. Some of you may be bitter, discouraged, disappointed. Others, you may be gloating. Neither one of those is the appropriate response. We should all be contrite in heart and say, wait a minute, we want what God wants for our nation, especially as believers. And we should surely not be hating each other because we have differing points of view politically. Let's put our focus on Jesus today. Can we do that? Thanks for listening. For more teachings and videos, visit celebrationmen.org.